0: was ironic because he had brought up the fact that, uh, don't everybody act like the, he's calling a church-wide fast. And I chuckled because I had a feeling I was going to be heading this direction uh, the, tonight, and uh, this is the direction that I feel like the Lord uh, would have us to go. And so uh, I just thought that was kind of ironic. And it's like the Lord to send us what we need. Amen. Amen. And I appreciate the Lord for doing that for us. So Matthew
1: chapter number 14, if you will, stand with us for the reading and reverence of the Word of God i going to start in verse 15, read down to verse 21, a very familiar passage of Scripture, one I've dealt with probably on two or three different occasions, I would imagine, uh, since I've been here, but
0: I'm going to call out maybe some similar truths to what we've dealt with in the past, but uh, for the sake of heading in a slightly different direction, okay? And uh, so Matthew chapter number 14,
1: verse number 15, the Bible said, when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a desert place, as if the Lord didn't know that, right? And uh, and said, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. What time was he talking about there? Brother Shane, it's past dinner time. Amen. Everybody was hungry. The Lord had been doing work there. And uh, the crowd was mesmerized by what the Lord was doing. And I want you to notice it wasn't the crowd that the Bible records having come to him and said, We're hungry, it was the disciples. And the disciples said, that when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now passed, in the multitude away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. Now I want you to notice the disciples was worried about their ability to have something to eat to fill their bellies, and they took their eyes maybe off of what the Lord was actually doing to help these people. Uh, the Bible tells us that He was healing their sicknesses and their diseases. And uh, the Lord was doing a spiritual work, Brother Shane, and they got concerned about the dinner. I wonder how many times we've been concerned about fried chicken after church on Sunday and couldn't focus on the Word of God for just a little while. And I ain't going to get off on that, but uh, the Bible said in verse 16, But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart, give ye them to eat. And they said unto him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes. He said, Bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fishes. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and brake, and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up of the fragments that remained, twelve basketfuls. And they that had eaten were about five thousand men beside women and children. You can be seated. Brother Isaac, ask the blessing on the message, please. Brother Isaac beats himself up a little bit, I think. and uh, But I think he does a wonderful job. I appreciate you, Brother Isaac. I appreciate your faithfulness to the Lord. And I like being able to call on him and ask him to pray because I know he will and I think he can reach heaven. And I appreciate
0: uh, the Lord for Brother Isaac and his faithfulness to the church. And he's a blessing to me. And I do appreciate you, Brother, for being there and doing what I ask when I ask and, and you being willing to help me when you can. And uh, it is a great blessing. But I, as we look here at Matthew chapter number 14,
1: Verse number fifteen, the Bible said, and when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, "This is a desert place," and they're calling attention, I guess, to the situation as it was, and felt, I guess, that the Lord needed to be reminded of the kind of place that they were in. I will say this: I'm glad the Lord can help you down in the desert place, ain't you? Uh, it don't really matter where you're at or what your circumstances are. If the Lord is present, you've got what you need. I thank the Lord for that. And uh, so the Bible said here: this uh, this is a desert place, of the time. ...is now past. In other words, they would have probably already eaten by now, Brother brother uh, Shane, uh, Brother Marvin. They'd have probably already had their dinner if this hadn't been going on. Uh, but service was such that God was down there, the Lord Jesus Christ, God in the flesh was down there... ...working miracles and helping a crowd of people whose infirmities and issues were greater than their desire to be filled with food. And uh, when the Lord ever starts getting a hold of you and something real starts happening in your life with the Lord... You'll quit being carnal, and, and the dinner won't be as important to you. And I don't know why I keep going there, but it's good anyway this evening. Uh, but we have a tendency sometimes to get a grumble or a growling in our gut, and uh, we take our mind off of what's going on down at God's house. But if the Lord ever really gets a hold of you and does something real in your life, you really don't have your mind on those things. And uh, the disciples, we already know, had already been robbed of some rest that they were supposed to be taking. Uh, And the Lord, the Bible says, was moved with compassion. If you read the other Gospels, the accounts, and he could not help but go to these people who were wanting his help. And can I say, if you really want him, he won't turn you away. I thank the Lord for that. We can't sell him to people, you know. We can't talk people in. Uh, to come into God's house. We can't talk people in into getting along with God. But if you ever get along with him. And he ever starts getting real in your life. And he ever starts doing something in you. You'll forget about all the carnal things that you and I have a tendency to gravitate ourselves towards. But the Bible does say here. Send the multitude away. That they may go into the villages to buy themselves. Victuals, And they was concerned about the well-being of these individuals having something to eat. But, the, but Jesus said unto them, they need not depart. Give ye them to eat. Now I do want you to notice the charge that was given here. Now if you'll remember the other day we was preaching about Gideon and how Gideon seen himself as he was. He was scared of the Midianites. He knew that God's hand had been taken off of, of the children of Israel. And the Midianites been, had been allowed by God to come in and do what they were doing because of the disobedience of the children of Israel towards that of God. So he had reason to be scared. But he, he recognized himself and, and, and being unable to do anything against the Midianites in and of himself. The disciples here are calling out to the Lord Jesus Christ the circumstances which is ironic to me as he was down there healing them of their sicknesses and their diseases. They need to feel the need to express to the Lord that they're in a circumstance where these individuals don't have anything to eat. You need to let them go find food for themselves. But he says give ye them to eat. In other words, he's saying you give them what they stand in need of. They don't need to leave me. They don't need to leave the work of God and what God is doing in their life for something that's only going to last them for three or four or five, six hours and then they're going to need it again. But what I can do for them is something that will be everlasting for them. I want to say this, we're working spiritually speaking for things that are eternal. They're not temporal. And uh, we pull off of the eternal things to deal with the temporal things, and we find that it only lasts a short time, and we're back down there needing some more temporal things, right? But the Lord's saying, Give ye them need, they need not depart. I can provide for them eternal things at the same time that I'm providing them the temporal things that they need to sustain life upon the earth that I've placed them. And so uh, the Bible says, They need not depart, give ye. Them to eat. He's asked something of the disciples that the disciples do not feel adequate enough to be able to do. And it's just like the Lord to ask things out of you and me where we do not feel adequate to do it. And so they were going to have to do what? They were going to have to rely on the Lord. Now, the Lord is teaching not only uh, the multitude of his deity by uh, doing these miracles and healing, but he's also taking his disciples and he's growing them. Or, if you'll allow me to say it this way, maturing them in the faith. There is this matter of maturing in the faith. We understand that we should be maturing, spiritually speaking. In the word of God that Brother Brian brought out on Wednesday night about the, 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 the wielding of the sword, if you will, our offensive weapon, as we should know something about this thing. But understanding here that the Bible said, Jesus said to them, they need not depart, give you them to eat. And they say unto him, we have here but five loaves and two fishes. They're looking at their inadequacies. They're looking at what they have as, as, as what it is isn't enough. Now we've been dealing with as such here in the last little while about uh, a giving of our firstfruits, right? The Bible said in Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the firstfruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out. With new wine, and so we've been discussing this not just in a uh, a monetary, not in financial uh, status, but in giving of ourselves in every area of our life, whether it be our time, whether it be our talent, whether it be our praise, our worship, our thanksgiving, whatever it is, it's a it's a giving of ourself in every area of our life, and having our hands off and saying, Lord, if you want it from me, you have it. It's yours. Now, we, we, we act like that we're there, but there is times we really quietly know secretly what areas we do have in our life that we prefer the Lord to keep his fingers off of. If it changes our uh, financial status, if it causes us to have to look for another job, and you say, are you, are you promoting that we quit and get another job? I'm not necessarily promoting that. What I'm saying to you is, though, if the Lord should want you to do that, do it. If the Lord would prefer that you take a cut in pay because he has something else that he wants you to do that is in his kingdom, then you do it and trust the Lord. So that's easy to preach on. It is, but I will tell you this, and not that I preach experiences or try to point you to me, but I have experienced the very thing I'm talking about. I have, and my wife can tell you, we have got to the place where we said, all right, it doesn't matter what it's going to do to us financially. This is what God has told us to do, and this is what we are going to do, and the Lord has blessed us Time and again, every time. And he's taken care of us, and I appreciate that. But here's the thing, we, we trade the eternal things for the temporal things if we're not careful. But having said that, we're finding in this situation, just as this Gideon was, was asked to do something he didn't feel adequate in doing, then we have this matter of, of the Lord wanting them to give something they didn't have. Now I want to say this, people get angry at a preacher because there's a lot of no-count good-for-nothings, that all are in this for their money. That's why the Bible warns of those that are a, a, a filthy lucre. There is a preacher out there somewhere that wants you for your money. I have no lie to tell you. and You're not looking at one of them, okay? I'm not here for your money, but I will say this. The thing about it is is the Lord expects us to give even when we don't have it to give. And if the Lord should point to you that you should give it, then you should give it. I, I was talking to, to my children about Faith promise and missions and and the difference in missions and ties, and, and essentially that we pray about what the Lord would have us to give, settle on what it is the Lord would have us to give, and then say, Lord, you're going to have to meet it because if it's more than what I have in my possession, I don't know how I'm going to fulfill it. But you step out on faith and say, Lord, if you want it, you can have it, but you're going to have to supply the need. Now, understand, if you will, the Lord's telling them to give. But who has the power to multiply the, the loaves of the fishes? The Lord. They did not. So the Bible says here, and they say unto him, we have here but five loaves and two fishes. He said, bring them hither to me. This is what I love. He wanted them to give, and he wanted them to be the ones to bring the loaves to him. And the Bible said, and he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fishes, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke. In other words, the Lord blessed their inadequate amount of sustenance. The Lord can take our inadequate amount of sustenance, our inadequate amount of finances, our inadequate amount of talent, our inadequate amount of time, and multiply that for His glory and for His honor if we will but yield it to Him and say, Lord, I don't know how, but I know who. And that's what the Lord's looking for. The Lord's not looking for me and you to necessarily know how, but He's looking for us to know who. Amen. And so he's teaching his disciples here as he's maturing them in the faith that they need to be looking at who. Now it's interesting because they're all standing around watching the Lord heal the diseases of others. And we love it, you know, when when folks are getting saved, Brother Marvin. And Brother Shane, when we're sitting there praying and God's working in the lives of others and we can see the hand of God moving, that's wonderful. Until the Lord comes to Marvin or until the Lord comes to Brother Shane or, or Aaron and says, this is what I want you to do. And we suddenly don't know how we're going to do it. Well, the same Lord that was saving folk when we was amening it and praying and saying that we had faith that God could do it is the same God that's saying if you would take your hands off of it and give it to me, I'll multiply it and do something with it. So the Bible says here, give you them to eat. And they say unto him, we have here but five loaves and two fishes. He said, bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and two fishes. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and brake. Look what he does here, and gave the loaves to his disciples. Now here's what's interesting. The Lord did take the bread, he did take the fish, he did break it, he did bless it, but he did not distribute it. He gave it to the disciples to give to the people. He supplied their need to fulfill his requirement. The Lord will fulfill your need to meet his requirement. If he asks it of you, he will provide it to you to give to his service. So having said that, the Bible says here, uh, and they did, or excuse me, and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. Here's what he done. He channeled the, the multiplication of blessing through the hands of the disciples which he had commanded to give to the multitude. He's done two things. He's met the need of the multitude that was looking to him for their blessing. And then he taught the disciples a faith building lesson that should mature them in their faith. How many of you would agree tonight that there's been instances where your faith seemed inadequate? In certain areas of your life. Could be tonight that you're in a situation right now where you know that you should have faith that God's going to take care of a problem or situation. Now, I'm not talking about name it and claim it and if you name it then it'll come to pass. No, we still pray in the will of the Lord but we do know that there's some of our loved ones that need to be saved and it's in the will of the Lord for he would have all men to be saved. There are some instances that we can expect God to do something because his word says that it's in his will for it to come to pass and if it's in his will to come to pass we ought to have faith that God can and will do it. We can. We can have faith. I'm not, I joke with Brother Ray about a million dollar retirement but the fact of the matter is in all reality that's naming and claiming it. That ain't what it's about. But I'll say this, you got a loved one that's lost and headed for hell and God would have that all men too be saved. You can pray in the will of the Lord that that individual be saved and then trust that God can meet the need to get that person within themselves that they might come out of whatever problem they're in. Now, I want you to notice with me, the Bible says here, and the disciples to the multitude, verse 20, and they did all eat and were filled. And they took up the fragments that remained, 12 baskets full. Now, I don't know where the 12 baskets come from. I have no idea. The Bible doesn't tell us as far as I can see in the scriptures. But God provided the baskets. And let me say this it was the 12 disciples, if you read the other Gospels, it was the 12 disciples that come to the Lord and approach the Lord about them going and the multitude going and finding victuals. And that being the case, it was the twelve that come to him, and it was the twelve that distributed, and it was the twelve that each had a basket that was running around filling that thing back up with the fragments, that none be lost. What's he done? Faith building. Now we've been teaching on a principle of faith-promised missions, and even just in giving to the Lord our substance and our first fruits. that you do not offer anything to the Lord, what he does not multiply it, and return it back to you tenfold what it was that you gave. Why? Because as we've learned that if the Bible says, if I were hungry, I would not tell thee. Why? Because if he was hungry, he'd be in bad shape tonight if he's expecting you and I to be able to give him anything. We only are able to give what he gives us to give. These disciples were only able to give what he had supplied them to give. So they were 100% reliant upon the Lord to fulfill the need of meeting the commandment which he had given them. We cannot meet the requirements that God has for us without His power. You cannot do it. You don't have it tonight in the ability to please Him, stay right with Him, and go in the direction that He would have you go in and of your own power. You cannot stay right with God and keep your nose out of the Bible. You cannot stay right with God and not pray. You cannot keep your heart right with God and be missing church You understand that? You must have these things in your life because you're relying on the Lord to provide you what you cannot provide for yourself. All right? And so having said that, we we continue on here. And the Bible said, and they did all eat and were filled. And they took up the fragments that remained 12 basketfuls. And they that had eaten were about 5,000 men beside women and children. Now, I want you to notice there's nothing in this passage of Scripture in the Gospel of Matthew about the lad that had the food. He's not even mentioned. He's not even brought up. Now his lunch is mentioned or his or supper, whatever, dinner. If you're from Tennessee, East Tennessee it's supper. Amen. But his dinner wasn't mentioned in the Word of God. Now I will, I will say this. The Bible in verse 15, And when it was evening, his disciples came to him. The Lord had been working for some time. It was past time to eat. So they had been going at this for a long time. It's interesting to me, Brother Shane, that there was a a young man that had a, a supper or a lunch pack that he had yet to get to at dinner time. He was mesmerized by what God was doing and what God had going on. He didn't even eat it. He didn't even consume it. He was not worried. The disciples are worried about the people that don't have nothing to eat. And the boy's got something that mama packed him that morning to go out on the start of his day. And he's yet to even eat it because God's working. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, is doing something. And I'm mesmerized by what I see. You can always tell a church that's on fire is a church. And a people that's on fire is a people that are seeing the Lord do something. Do you know why faith promise missions is a really uh, something that gets a church in a state of revival? Because it allows them to start having faith building moments where they actually see God doing something from a monetary standpoint that is physical to the eye. And you know God is working in this. God never allows us to give to him what he does not give back to us for giving. So a principle, if you believe the word of God, you give him money to provide the missions. And you meet the the goal that God has set for you and you do that faithfully. God will, guaranteed, provide time and again for you to be able to give with what he told you to give. I can tell you personally in my own life, I've had instances where I felt like the Lord would have me to do some things that he called me to. And I didn't have the means financially to do it, but my wife and I stepped out on faith and, and done what he asked us to do. And it never failed. He always brought in the, the monies that I needed to accomplish what I needed to accomplish to what he would called me to do. Now, I will say this. I don't ever remember getting much over what I needed. I, I, don't, I don't think I ever saved anything. Pretty sure I never really built a bank account while I was doing what the Lord asked me to do. But I will say this, I sure did spend time and again money that I didn't know I could, that, I, that the Lord was going that I didn't know how I was going to get it. My wife have, and I have looked back and said, we don't know how we made that. We don't know how we done that. I can't tell you today on paper, I can't make it work out on paper how the Lord has worked and done things in our young life as we was trying to do what God wanted us to do. It's, it's an amazing thing, but a, but a church that gives the missions is a church that will find revival. A church that that gives to faith-promised missions and giving in that way where we set a goal with the Lord and the Lord works it in our hearts personally. And we we, we say that we're going to give this amount. The Lord does something special in those things. And it's no different than this situation right here. It's a faith-building moment and it's maturing us in our faith. Now here's, here's what's interesting. Matthew, uh, Psalms 37, 25, very familiar verse Scripture. The Bible said, I've been young, and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, or his seed begging bread. Now I want to call your attention to Matthew chapter uh, 14 and verse 20, where the Bible said, and they did all eat. I'm pretty sure that the lad who give the loaves and the fish eat. I believe that that young man give his lunch or his supper, his meal, To the Lord. And the Lord made sure that that lad did not go hungry. Then took what he gave and multiplied. He said, I don't have enough money to give the Lord. Friend, I got news for you. And it's not just money. Let's put it in time. Let's put it in talent. If you can play the guitar and I catch you playing country music, I'm going to smack you upside the head. Don't use the talents that the Lord gives you on this world. I've prayed to God ever since Lydia showed any interest at all into playing the piano that she'd use what God gave her for His glory and for His honor. And I said, Lord, if you know being a sovereign God that she will not do it, do not give her the ability to play that piano. That's been my prayer. That's my wife's prayer. That's what we're asking the Lord to do. And the Lord's blessing. And the Lord's helping. And I appreciate uh, the Lord in doing that. But it doesn't matter whether it's time, money, uh, if it, if it's whatever it is, talent, you, you give it to the Lord and you don't have to have anything to give him. You just have to be willing to give him what he asks for and let him supply uh, the need. Okay? But having said that, I've been young, now I'm old, yet I'm not seeing the righteous forsaken nor seed breaking bread. The Lord, the Lord provides for us what we need. Go to Matthew six for real quick. I know you know the, the scripture. We're going to move along here, but the Bible said in Matthew 6 and verse number uh, 24 that the Bible said, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, mammon, we understand in this sense, is riches or money, monetary things. Money buys things, right? People like things. People like money because money buys things and people want things. They have an addiction to having more things. We need more entertainment, more fun, more something to rob our minds from the Word of God. We got our minds so full of the world we don't have any time for the Word of God anymore. I believe we heard something about that on Wednesday night. But the Bible said here, no man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise it. You cannot serve God. Man, you cannot be given yourself to God At the same time, you're giving yourself the money. But I thought God required me to give of my money. Well, he didn't say how much to give. He didn't say, Brother Shane, that I had to be a millionaire before I give. You know, it was the church at Corinth that Paul was warning them, you you pledged a year ago to give to the work back at Jerusalem, give. Don't wait until you have X amount of dollars. Just give what you got and let the Lord do with it what he wants to do with it. And that's the thing about it. See, it's not the amount that we give, although I believe the Lord sets the amount, and you and I have to be willing to say, God, I'll give you what you want. But I'll say this. If a poor person who has no money gives X amount of dollars and somebody that's rich gives an X amount of dollars, if it's what God told you to give to missions, both of you are pleasing the Lord by giving Him what He has asked and put upon your heart to give to His cause. It's not about the money because we understand that if he were hungry, he would not tell us. Why? Well, he wants the disciples to give what they didn't have. I'll say this, we don't want to give of our abundance. We want to give what he sets in our heart to give because that's what he set to give. He, he calls the shots. Why? Because we re, let me remind you, it's all his anyway. See, the, the little boy that had the fish and the loaves, You understand that fish was caught out of the Lord's sea, that he created. And the bread was made from the wheat that grew out of the Lord's ground. And everything that that boy had to offer to the Lord come from the Lord already. And everything that we're offering to him is his already. He just wants us to give to him what he's asked for. Then he takes it and he multiplies it and he does a, a fascinating thing with it. And he shows those around him that he is God. He shows a world that don't know he's God that he's God. And then he takes us who know he's God and builds our faith and causes us to mature in our faith i'm persuaded that today in the church average church there's people that's been saved 10 20 30 40 50 60 years that's never got off the ground in their faith their faith has never been matured they've never seen god really do anything because they've never give or set or never would give what god told them to give the disciples here again were not telling god no you remember Gideon didn't tell God no. He just wanted to make sure that he understood the will of the Lord. These men didn't say no. When the Bible told when the Bible says over here, if I can get back to my place in Matthew uh, chapter number 14. When the Bible said here, when it was evening, his disciples, or no, let me back down here. It said he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fishes and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples and the disciples to the multitude and they did all eat. He told the disciples, if you'll read the Gospels, to come to me, you take this and you distribute it. Imagine, if you will, as they're distributing it, they're not running out. They're not running out. How many times the Lord's asked me to give and I've not run out? It blows my mind. Blows my mind. I can't explain it to you. Can't write it on paper. Can't even show you how. I just know that God has done it. But when we consider in Matthew chapter number 6, starting in verse number uh, 24, the Bible says here, No man can serve two masters. So we got a people today that's trying to serve two masters. They're trying to serve the God of money, and they're trying to serve the God of heaven. And they can't do it, and they're having to make a decision whether they're going to chase after the money or they're going to chase after the Lord. I'll say this, if you chase after the Lord, the Lord will provide the money that you need. It's It's a principle. We'll say, well, I might have to do without some things that I like. You might. But if you ever make God what you like, if God ever takes leadership and control of your life and becomes the number one most important thing of your life, He'll be the thing that you're working towards and working after and trying to please. It's it's uh, for some reason foreign to God's people today that God should be first in our life and have the preeminence in our homes and in our lives. Listen, if God says buy it, buy it. Don't worry about it. God says, sell it, sell it, and don't worry about it. If God says, do this or do that, you do it. It don't matter whether you like it or whether you don't, but you should love Him enough to say, Lord, I don't love that more than I love you. And I believe sometimes the Lord will have you do stuff just for the sake of you showing Him that you will do what He asks you to do. But I'll say this, when you do it, you're embarking upon new territory where the Lord's sticks to do something with your life that'll blow even your mind. That's when, that's when things start becoming reality. The Bible said in verse 25, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold, the fowls there, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubic unto his stature? you ever made yourself any taller? I made myself weigh a little more, uh, but I didn't think it to happen. It happened over a period of time. I've never caused my body to lengthen. Never. You can't think it so. This idea of thinking it into existence is ridiculous today. You don't think it into existence. What you do is you serve God, trust Him by putting Him first, and allow Him to multiply what you don't have enough of. But the Bible does say here, uh, which uh, verse twenty eight? Why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field; how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Saul in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What ye shall eat, or what, ye, what we shall drink, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For all these things that the Gentiles seek, for ye heavenly Father. Knoweth that you need of all these have need of all these things. He knew he was in a desert. He he knew that uh, it was past the time that they would have normally eat, and he knew the Bible said John six, and he himself knew what he would do. I'm glad the Lord knows what he himself would do. You don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. I can't tell you how it's going to work out. You can't tell me how it's going to work out. You don't know. You're not a prophet. If you start telling me how it's going to work out, I'm going to automatically know something's wrong with you. But what I'm saying is he himself knew what he would do. What would he do? He would take disciples who, although were little in faith, were still obedient to what he said. And he built their faith because they were still obedient enough that when God told them to do something, they did it. They just didn't know how. Don't beat yourself out of the blessings of the Lord by not doing what He tells you to do or not being willing to. Let me say this. You already know tonight if you're willing or not. The Lord don't even have to put it on you tonight. You already know what you're willing to do and what you're not. And if there's anything in your life tonight that you're not willing to do that God tells you to do this is where you need to be. Because you need to get that right with the Lord, because you are stopping yourself from being moving further into your relationship with the Lord. If you do not, all right, you're limiting the Lord, limiting him. All right, so the Bible uh, says, but uh, verse thirty-two: For all these things that the Gentiles seek, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. The Lord knows what we have need of. The Lord didn't take the, the meal that that lad had without making sure that lad was fed. So he provided for the, the lad and then took what he gave and look what he'd done with it. The Lord wants to take what we have, meet our needs with it, but multiply it and give it in a vast, vast way. But when we hoard it all up, like Ananias and Sapphira, all we wind up actually doing is killing ourselves spiritually and not allowing the Lord to take us and mature us in our faith like he wants to do. All right? And uh, so let me say this. As, as we consider here, some people have this mindset of, of sacrifice and if we And I, I don't really have time to deal with this, but you can read over in First Samuel chapter number 15 a familiar story uh, of how that uh, Saul had disobeyed the Lord. The Bible said in 1 Samuel 15 and 22, and Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. First of all, the Lord needs you to be obedient. The Lord needs you to be uh, willing to, to do what he asks, and when he asks, and how he asks. And sometimes I find that we will we'll give extra in certain areas. And, and then there's certain areas that we won't. Now I'm going to use Brother Shane for an example for just a minute, because he don't mind, and I appreciate him allowing me to do this. Brother Shane is always, if there's something that needs to be done around the church facilities, he'll take care of it. If Brother Marvin gets, even gets wind that there's something going on with the computer, Marvin will be over here fixing it. They're willing to do what needs to be done when it needs to be done. And I appreciate that. But let me say this. God can use those types of things. But if Brother Shane secretly had something in his life that he would not give God, that God was wanting him to give, and Brother Shane wouldn't do it, Brother Shane could look for every opportunity under the sun to come down here to God's house and do something to help the facilities or to work on the building. God's not going to get any pleasure out of Brother Shane's sacrifice when Brother Shane can't even be obedient to the commands of God in the other areas of his life. Sometimes we think by giving extra in certain areas excuses us from the areas that we're not willing to allow God into that portion of our life. That doesn't work that way. Obedience is better then sacrifice. Brother Shane would be better off to say, Brother Aaron, I don't have time to get to that. I can't. But whatever the Lord is working in his life, he yields to it, and he has the right relationship with the Lord, God can use him in that instance. God can't use Brother Shane, if Brother Shane's always doing something extra at God's house and sacrificing and giving of his effort and time when there's something over here that's disobedient to God in his life. You understand what I'm saying? We're, we're not getting one over on God is what I'm trying to say. God's looking for obedience. And we find in this story here, the Bible said, said in Samuel, uh, said, hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, and in obeying the voice of the Lord. The Lord's looking for obedience first and foremost. Now let's say this, some instances we find obedience to the Lord is sacrifice for the shame. Sometimes doing what God says to do is uh, in and of itself sacrifice. But not always does it constitute Sacrifice, but we don't sacrifice to get out of obedience, and I find that sometimes that's the case. But when you are obedient and you want to sacrifice for His cause, that's when the Lord takes notice. See, we don't sacrifice to keep from being obedient over here, but if we decide that we want to be obedient to the Lord in every area of our life, Lord, it's all yours, whatever you want to do, then we have a heart to sacrifice you're fixing to move on to higher ground you're fixing to see the lord take you and do something through you not because you have anything to give but because you're willing to give what you don't have he'll channel through you what you don't even have the ability to give to the lord he channeled something through his disciples because they were willing just to obey him you understand and so god takes notice when you're willing to f- pay a physical price for a spiritual gain. Now I want to say this. We know that he he does not intend for us to have our needs go unmet. We find it right here in Matthew chapter uh, number 6 and verse number uh, 33 where the Bible says here, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added. Unto you. What was it in Proverbs 3 that we read? Honor the Lord with a substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Essentially, this is what we're learning. It's not just about money or faith promise giving. It's about the Lord getting everything we have to give him. And having our hands removed from our lives. So, seek first the kingdom of God and his Righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. What things? What things are we talking about? The, the food and the raiment and the needs that it, requ- that it takes, Brother Marvin, for you to be taken care of. For your wife to be taken care of. For your son, for, for me, or for my wife, or for my children. Because the Bible tells us plainly that a man that won't provide for his own family is worse than an infidel. So how do we, how do we provide for our family? Some people get all sarcastic and go, I can't believe that they would give that to God when they ought to be taking care of their family. Taking care of the work of God is taking care of your family. Trusting God is taking care of your family. And giving to God until it hurts sometimes is taking care of your family because the Lord will take what He demands of you, multiply it to make sure that you have food and raiment and your family is taken care of. It didn't say your family would drive a brand new car. It did not say that your family would have the finest house. It didn't even say, Miss Pam, that your family would have name brand clothes and shoes. But it did say that you would have what you need. And I appreciate that. Anything more than what we need anyway is what? Anything more than what we need if we're not careful has the ability to start infringing upon the God that we serve. Why is that? Say, so I don't like that preacher. Well, let's look at the times that we're in. We're rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, yet knoweth not that we're wretched, miserable, poor, and blind, and naked. Stuff. We've got more stuff today than any generation before us. And it's robbing us of God. Say, well, I might have to give up something to serve the Lord. You might. but I'll say, what you gain will be far more worth what you give up, friend. Because the reality of it will set in. And when the reality of the Lord you serve sets in, it'll put a revival in your heart and stir you up inside and make you want to do more for the Lord. The reason people are drab and they they're not seeing nothing. You know why you're not seeing that? Most people won't give of themselves in any way. They're not willing to. Say, well, I don't have anything in particular. But are you willing to? Are you willing to? God takes notice when you're willing to pay a physical price for a spiritual gain. The Bible said in Matthew 14, 19, He commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fishes and looking up to heaven and blessed and break. And He gave the loaves to His disciples and the disciples to the multitude. Verse 20 said, And they did all eat and were filled, and they took up fragments that remained twelve basketfuls. And they told the disciples to pick up that which remained in the gospel, that nothing be lost. Each disciple winds up with a basket somehow or another. They go around, and uh, they start picking up the fragments, and each disciple who had nothing to give, where the Lord kept multiplying, now suddenly has as much at the end of it all as when they started. They give what they didn't have and as the end result they come back with more than what they started with. But that's a principle that we learn in the Word of God that the Lord gives more than what He takes. Why? If the Lord did not give us more than what He took from us then you and I could walk around and say that we did something and God didn't. God will never share His glory with you or anyone else. So He cannot listen to me, cannot take what you give him and not give you more than what he took. He can't do it. Now I'll say this to you. We find it in the life of Gideon. Different scenario, different circumstances, different way of giving. But I'll say this. It was such as he was only able to go down there with 300 men and fight against the Midianites. Why? 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 Because the Lord did not want it to be as such as that the Midianites or the children of Israel could say that the, the combat that was between the Israelites and that of the Midianites was because of the amount of people that went down there to fight against the Midianites. Ultimately God was interested in getting all of the glory and all of the honor because it was God who withdrew His hand from Israel and allowed the Midianites to do what they had done in the first place. So God wants to show them that when he puts his hand back on them, that God can do for them what they can't do for themselves. Same thing here. God wants to show you that he can do for you what you cannot do for yourself. And we're always trying to do for ourselves. We're always, it's our nature to try to dig within ourselves, to adapt and overcome, to to reach in and and suck it up buttercup, like we were talking the other Sunday. It's not what the Lord's wanting you to do. The Lord's wanting you to rely on Him, to lean on Him for everything. Same way in this situation. So here's what's interesting. The disciples had nothing to give. The Lord gives them something, they distribute it. They wind up with more than what they started. It looks like the Lord has followed through with the principle that we've been learning in the Word of God, how He gives more than what He takes. Except for, what about the lad? Why did the disciples get something that they did not have, yet wind up with more than what they had when they started? But the lad, what did what, what he wind up with? What's this a picture of? What, what are we seeing here? What's the Lord trying to show us in this verse of scripture concerning the lamb? He give. Wh- 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 where's his take home? What's, what's he going to have? Notice with me if you will there's a principle here. I want, I want to try to get to this. Luke 9.12 says, uh, says the twelve came to him and said unto him send the multitude away that they may go into the towns and country round about and lodge and get victuals for we are here in a desert place, so we understand that each disciple has a basket to fill back up. We understand that the bread is a representation of the power to take what's wrong and make it right. How do we? How do we know that to be so? Well, the Syrophoenician woman, if you'll remember, over in Matthew chapter number fifteen, the Bible says. Um, but he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to the dog. What? We weren't even talking about bread. The bread's a representation of his power. He re- represented to the multitude his power and to the disciples by what he'd done with the bread. The bread. You understand what I'm saying? It was important what he'd done with the bread. The bread is a representation of the power uh, as to what it takes, uh, what he can take what's wrong and make it right. John 6, we understand, is where we find that there was a lad involved with this lunch or with this with this with this meal. Can I say the lad obviously has already been mentioned and was attentive because he stayed all day and didn't eat the food. He was interested in what the Lord was doing. But then we find that Mark 6.35 says, when the day was now far spent. So we understand the time has gone by. The day is far spent. And this, this, uh, this, uh, this situation as it is with the day of being far spent, the disciples have decided that they're hungry and they want to get something done. But the lad's not eating his lunch. But I'm thankful Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be Field. If you're hungry for something spiritual, the Lord will provide for you what is spiritual. If you, you know, we we know that the Lord will take care of our needs. If we take care of, of of His kingdom, if we bless His name, if we put Him first in our life, it's a principle in the Word of God that He will meet our needs. But the Bible also says, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteous, for they shall be filled. What were the disciples interested in versus what the lad was interested in? The lad didn't eat that meal. It was still hanging around after it was past time to eat, which tells me food wasn't on his mind. He was hungry for something spiritual. He was hungry for the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. The disciples, the followers of Christ, as though in their faith they they need to learn and they need to be matured in their faith. Brother Martin, that's been about enough Sunday school teaching now, brother. It's it's time to eat. We We need to be worried about supper. It's past time. The disciples pull away from the spiritual things that the Lord is doing. God in the flesh. Whom they have privileged to walk with and talk with and be a part of to pull the Lord away from what He's doing so that they can go find something to eat that's only going to last them six or seven hours at the most. So, what would you say is happening? I would say to you that the disciples were being carnal. But this boy that had this meal, he wasn't being carnal, he was concerned about something spiritual. He was seeing the reality of the God that was before him. And that is what he was after. Now what does the Bible say here? Notice this. What does the Bible say in Matthew 5 and 6? Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I thought it was a principle that if we gave to the Lord, the Lord would give back to us. I don't find where it was the lad... ...that got those 12 basketfuls. The Bible doesn't tell us that. Maybe I'm speculating here just a little bit. But the disciples returned with more than what they started... ...because they were obedient. They were carnal. And they were learning. And they were obedient. But that young man, he didn't give two hoots... ...about that fish or about them loaves. Even in his spirituality, though... ...the Lord provided for his tummy. And he wasn't hungry, Brother Shane... But he didn't leave that day with 12 basket loads of food. He left, he left that day jumping on the clouds. Hallelujah to God. Glory be to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because he took something I had and look what he done. And he showed a multitude of people the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what the Lord will provide for us? Where our, our, treasure is, is where our, where our heart is is where our treasure is. You understand that? His heart is... Wasn't in monetary things. It wasn't in his stomach. His heart was that the Lord took what he had and used it in a way that caused 5,000, say, women and children, we estimate at least 15,000 people, to see the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And can I say this? Do you know what he done without? He done without that food. He gave his food away. He said, I'm not going to have this, you take it. I've seen you in action. I've been watching you with a multitude heal the sick, to take them that were in need and do something with their lives. Change you want this? You can have it. If we just could see what the Lord is doing today and what he's wanting, what we've got, we just give it to him. I don't care what it is, it's yours. We got a crowd of people today that we can't talk into giving to God's work, but there are some that they can't give to Him enough because they see God doing, they see God working, and they know that it's being laid to their account somewhere in the future. And if God could take my measly little bitty lunch that I had, that somebody took the effort to pack and make for me, and use it to do what He done with it, glory be to God. Not only. Not only did he show 5,000 saved women and children his deity, but just to that little boy being willing to give the Lord what he wanted, the Lord took that and he caused the disciples, followers of Christ, ones that walked with him and talked with him and stood beside of him and learned of him, to mature in the faith. A little boy helped disciples mature in the faith by being willing to give what the Lord asked of him. And here's what I find interesting about the whole thing. What did he get in return? He got the joy of knowing that he was filled, that he hungered and thirsted after righteousness, for spiritual blessings. And it meant so much to him that he was willing to do away with a lunch that was only going to last him six or seven hours to see the Lord do something that the Lord had done. Now here's my message tonight. All that just for this little punchline right here. But I wonder if you'd be willing to do without lunch for six or seven hours sometime in the not so far away. I wonder if you'd be willing to give, uh, uh, to fast for just a little while, to afflict yourself and say, well, it's only going to last six or seven hours. I wonder if I could do, if you could do without a meal or two sometime to see the Lord do something. Now I know fasting is almost, to some people, it's, it's almost like a curse word, but it's not. It's in the Bible. Mark 9 and 29, we understand the very familiar verse of Scripture where the disciples could not cast the devil out of this individual. And uh, the Lord Jesus tells them that they're faithless. He does what He had told them they had the power to do, yet they were not able to. And they wanted to know why that, this, that they couldn't cast the devil out of this individual. In Mark 9 29, the Bible said, This kind come forth by nothing but by prayer and in conjunction with prayer, Fasting a kind today that's not going to get no help without prayer and fasting. Fasting is a foreign thing in church today, but it's still a Bible principle and a Bible truth. And we ought to be willing to do that. Here's the thing. What the lad done was shows us a picture of what it is to push away from a meal and say, Lord, I'm willing to do without my food because I hunger after spiritual things. More than I do after carnal things. Here again, what is this? It's you just saying to the Lord that my body longs for food. And we know the Lord understands that. Because he went into the wilderness for 40 days. And he, he fasted and then he was tempted of the devil. Why was he tempted of the devil? Because he had a hungry belly. The Lord knew what it was to pray. But the Lord also knew what it was To fast. And fasting is when you say, I'm willing to afflict my body in a manner to cause it to do without what it desires so that the Lord will do something spiritual with it. How will the Lord take that and give back to you more than what He took? Understand, it's not just that the Lord took it, it's that you gave it. The Lord don't take anything. He'll only take what you give Him. If you'll give it, he'll take it. The Lord's not too good to take your fish or your loaves. No. He'll take what you give him, and he'll multiply it. If you'll pull away from the fish and the loaves, if you'll, if you'll pull away from breakfast, lunch, and dinner, if you'll say, Lord, I'm going I'm to lay it aside today, and I'm going to get hungry, and I'm going to walk by the refrigerator and want to get in that thing. But I'm willing not to do it today, Lord. Would you bless it? He'll take it. He'll take it, and Brother Marvin, fasting is a type of worship. Because worship is what? When we pull ourselves back and magnify Him. You know what you're saying to the Lord when you're saying, I'm I'm going to afflict myself in this manner? Lord, I just want you. The lad just wanted to see the Lord do something. The, The lad just wanted the Lord to take what was His and do with it as you would. It's shameful that the disciples were so carnal. But the lad was spiritual. Do you know what the lad got back in return for what he gave the Lord? Spiritual blessings like none had ever seen. Yes, yes, the Lord did bless the disciples. Yes, they did wind up with 12 basketfuls. But at the end of it all, friend, that lad, when he got older and he died and drew his last breath, he went to glory And owe him that he'd give a lunch that cost nearly 15,000 people to see the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. You know what we want to do today? We want people to see God. We want people to see the Lord. What's it going to take? What's it going to take? I know it's quiet as a church mouse in here. There ain't no doubt about it tonight. But this is Bible. And it'll help you. And I'll say this. If you don't eat on Monday, Tuesday morning there'll be breakfast on the table. Matter of fact, by Friday you won't even remember Monday. I could miss every Monday for the next 365 days. And it probably wouldn't affect me a whole lot. What are you saying? I'm saying if that's all it took, would you not do it? Turn with me, if you will, quickly to Isaiah chapter 58. I know we're getting lengthy, but we're we're trying to wrap up. Go with me to Isaiah 58. Because I want you to understand something. We're, We're discussing this matter of obedience is better than sacrifice. And I want you to notice here in Isaiah... Chapter 58, something that I find very interesting. Isaiah 58 deals with God's acceptance of fasting, but it also deals with his rejection of it as well. If we're not careful. We'll think that all we got to do tomorrow morning, Brother Shane, is just say, well, Lord, I'm not going to eat on Monday. And uh, Lord, you bless it. It's, it's more detailed than that. Matter of fact, you're you're just making yourself hungry for no reason whatsoever if
0: you've got some things in your life that you need to get worked out tonight.
1: My advice to you is not to bother with being hungry tomorrow or any other day this week for any period of time at all in the name of asking the Lord to help you if you've got some disobedience issues in your life elsewhere. The Bible says here in Isaiah 58, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression, and the house of Jacob their sins. That's familiar. We've read that a lot lately. But the Bible says, yet they seek me daily. He's saying, cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet, preach against their transgressions, even though that they are seeking me daily. Look here. The Bible says here, yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways. That don't make sense. As a nation that did righteousness, forsook not the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinance of justice. They take delight in approaching to God. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast ye find pleasure, and exact all your labors. Behold, ye fast for strife, and debate, and to smite with the fist of wickedness. You shall not fast as you do this day to make your voice to be heard on high. In other words, you're fasting, but it's not, it's, you're, not, you're not right in the other areas of your life. You're still bickering and fighting and punching and, and pitching a fit, and you're causing all these problems, and you're as carnal as the day is long. Fasting's not going to bring me to you because I can't come to you because what is it? Fasting is a type of worship, and they that worship must what? They that worship must worship in spirit and in truth. And if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear my prayer. They will not hear my fast. Will not hear my worship. Will not hear my praise. He's not going to hear you whatsoever until you get the sand straightened out in your life. If there's anything in your life that God wants out, or God wants to do something. If there's just something in your life tonight that you're saying, God can't have this area of my life, God is not going to help you in your fast. But there's still a kind that come forth only but by prayer and fasting. There's still an individual somewhere. There's still a group of people. There's still a body. There's still, some, there's still somebody that can only be reached by prayer and fasting. But your fasting is for nothing if you don't get the other areas right in your life. Don't waste your time practicing the fast if you can't pray. And you can't pray except, Lord, forgive me of my sin, if you've got sin in your life. Or if there's something that you won't give to God, you're serving mammon rather than God. And you can't serve God in mammon, for you either serve the one and hate the other, hate the one and love the other. You You can't have it both ways. And so the Bible says here, in verse 5, is it such a fast that I have chosen? In other words, I ain't what I'm looking for. A day for a man to afflict his soul? Just a day to afflict your soul, friend, isn't going to do you any good. But is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Would thou call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I have chosen? So now we're fixing to find what the acceptable fast is. Is not this the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens and to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry and cast thou uh, bring, uh, and that that thou bring the poor that are cast out uh, to the house, when thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh? Then, then shall thy life Break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before before thee. Uh, before thee, the glory of the Lord shall be thy rearward. Here's here's essentially what I'm saying to you tonight. You want the, you want to get all of the areas in your life right with the Lord. Before you try to afflict your soul with fasting, you're going to waste your time fasting if
0: you're not serious about God having every area of your life. But I do want you to be understanding this, this evening that there's a people that can't be reached. There's
1: a people that can't be touched unless fasting is involved. The Lord Jesus Christ told his disciples who he endued with power. This fourth can come, this, this kind can come forth. By nothing but by prayer and fasting. Do you know what the Lord essentially is wanting us to do? The Bible said, Then shall thy light break forth this morning." Wouldn't you like for the, for the sun to come up and shine in our church? Wouldn't you like the Lord to send revival to, to Landmark Baptist Tabernacle? Wouldn't you like the Lord to send revival in your home? Wouldn't you like the reality of the Lord that you serve to be so real maybe once again? Or maybe it never has been this real to you. But get this real to you that you would be looking for spiritual blessings and to know that you had a hand in just giving giving away and pushing away and saying, Lord, I'm going to afflict myself in this manner to get a hold of you. He will show up. See, you can't give to Him, Brother Shane. The principle is still there. You can't give to Him without Him giving back more than what He took. If you get right with God, if you'd come to the altar tonight, if you'd say, Lord, I've got an area in my life, I won't let you touch it, I won't let you have it, I won't let you near it, I'm giving it to you tonight. You could go home tomorrow, you could fast, and what you give to the Lord in afflicting your body for that day, the Lord would take it and He would multiply it and do something with it. It's a principle that still stands today. We go through these principles, we learn these things so that we can make application with it Spiritually. Spiritually. We we, we are so carnal that we're trying to figure out how to get God to give us more, but it's not about spiritual blessings to us. It's just about more. When it becomes about spiritual blessings, they that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled beyond anything that you could give. I'm persuaded revival, Brother Shane, isn't hard. The recipe to having the light to shine forth in your home, in your life, in your church is not that hard. As far as as what it's going to take, it's just a matter of doing it. It's just a matter of doing it. Ephesians 3, quickly, Ephesians 3, I want to show you this. The Bible says, Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, and he says in verse 13, Wherefore I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he's gone through tribulation. I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you. In other words, Paul's saying, I've suffered for you. I've been afflicted for you. It's spiritual. This is spiritual. He's given given himself in a way, and what is happening? For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. God's not broke. There's spiritual riches today. We we, we can have Him. The Bible Bible says here that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened. What are we we lacking today? We're insufficient of ourselves. We're not able. The disciples didn't have what it took. Gideon didn't have what it took. You don't have what it takes. We're finding we don't have what it takes. But we need to be strengthened. How do we find that strength? Where does it come from? It comes to the Lord. That He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might By his Spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted, that's unmovable, Brother Marvin, to be rooted is to be grounded and not going anywhere. Lord have mercy, if we could have some people today in 2022 that'd get rooted and grounded and not moving. Not carried about by every wind of doctrine, but somebody that knows something about this book that'll get solid, get steadfast, get unmovable, get their roots running deep. But once the roots are in the ground, then the shoot comes up. So the Bible says here that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that you're being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. The breadth, the length, the depth, the height of what? The love of Christ. See, here's the problem, that you may comprehend. You know what's wrong with us today? We're not fully comprehending what we have in the Lord that we serve. We don't. If we truly comprehended it, and it's unfortunate that this whole thing of the absence makes the heart grow fonder, but it's truth. We don't realize what we've got until we don't have it. But if we can appreciate what we have, We've we really seen him as he was. Paul was a man, if we've emphasized over him again, I believe he understood. I believe he understood, I believe he comprehended the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice this, that Christ, by dwelling in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, may be, all, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. What is, what is the length? Length is end to End to know the ends of the love of God. Man, they're boundless, are they not? They're boundless. I believe that that Paul could see the love of Christ in a much further vision than you and I can. I believe he was closer to the Lord in that way. And and let me see this. We see here, maybe able to comprehend with all saints what is the breath. What, What is breath? Breath is side to side. And so I thought about this. The length is end to end. The depth is top to bottom. And height is is bottom to top. Now I thought this was interesting, these figures here, because the Bible says breadth, length, depth, and height. It almost seems like two of those are redundant. One is top to bottom. One is bottom to top. What what Paul's saying in here is he said, I want you to see the love of Christ top to bottom and bottom to top. I want you to see it coming and going. I want you to understand the depths of it. See, we understand that depth is top to bottom. That's the the depth of His love. You can't comprehend the depths of the love of Jesus Christ. Nobody in the sound of my voice can look at the Lord and say, I know why you would die for me. We know that God loved us, we know that Jesus loved us, but no one can answer why. You don't have that ability. Paul's saying, I want you to get to the place with the Lord that you can comprehend the breadth of it, the depth of it, the length of it, to what length the Lord went to to save rotten, wretched sinners like you and me. The breadth, the depth, the length, and the height. And to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. To know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge means that, Brother Marvin, we need to constantly... Be learning of this love. The only way to do that is to throw ourselves into this thing lock, stock, and barrel and say, Lord, I'm all in. I'm all yours. Show me what you got. And here's the principle. You can't give to him what he won't give back to you more than what you gave. If you want to to approach the Lord carnally, you're not going to get anywhere spiritually. Now, I believe the Lord can take you in your obedience. We're all carnal. We're all carnal. We, we have to grow in grace and honor of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord will take us carnally if your heart's right and you're not in open rebellion against God. God can take you carnally and, and teach you something to mature your faith. But when you get to the place, you're like this lad right here, where, where you're not in it for what you can get back out of it. You're in it for what you can give the Lord that it may come back to you in spiritual blessings. They that hunger and thirst that's righteous shall be filled. Let me say this to you. If all it took was you giving, being right with God, giving yourself in this manner of fasting and saying, Lord, I'm willing just to give you my lunch, my dinner, my breakfast, this time that comes forth by nothing but prayer and fasting might actually get some help. God might actually do something. The light might break forth like the morning in Isaiah chapter 58. Our church may experience revival like we've not experienced ever. Say, it just seems so hard, and so far away and we just don't have many people. You've got God. I love that because we don't need that many people. We just need God. One lad, one lad, give him what he had, said, I I want you to have it. Look what the Lord done. He strengthened the disciples that followed him, who went on after Jesus died and helped work and preach and do something for his glory and for his honor. Say, I don't like you preaching. Fast and pray for me. These disciples, these disciples... That we're going to go on and do something for the glory for the honor of God. Had a faith building moment. Because a little lad was willing to give up what his mama or whoever had sent him that day. And that the Lord wanted to use for his glory and for his honor. And by giving that, look what the Lord done with it. Little as much when God is in it. We sing that song and we act like it's, it's the truth. The Lord don't need your abundance. It don't matter how much you've got or how much you don't have. It's whether or not you're giving it with the right kind of heart. How's your heart? As the pianist comes, let's all stand and clean. How's your heart tonight? How's your heart tonight? What do you got that, you're, that, that God can't have? We got a church dedication service coming up. We got revival coming up. I'd like, to see, I'd like to see our church uh, in revival. Not in the meeting, but I mean in a state of revival. What's it going to take? If you get your heart right tonight, say, Lord, everything that, 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 that you can that you've been not that I've not given you an allowance to is open before you. Do with it what you want to. You take that kind of attitude, you pray, you fast. I believe the Lord would break through like the morning light in Isaiah chapter 58 and put your church, your family, your home in a state of revival. Say, so and so, I love them. So and so, I wish they'd get right. Do you? Well, let me ask you, are you right? They they may not get right because you're not right and you won't pray and fast over them. When's the last time you afflicted yourself personally that the Lord might get a hold of somebody that you are burdened about. If if you haven't, then you're not as burdened about them as you say that you are. You got loved ones that's lost? You'd like to see them saved? You want God to do something in their life? When's the last time you pushed away from a meal and said, I'm going to push away from a meal that the Lord might actually deal with their heart? I'm not preaching this to be mean to you tonight. This is, not, this is not to be mean. This is to say that it's available to us. God will take what we give Him when we afflict ourselves in that manner, multiply it for His glory and for His honor, and do something effectual in the lives of others. As you please, if you need to come, come.
0: Pledge another word. Thank you tonight for your blessings. We're so very thankful to know that you provide for us what we stand in need of, both physically and spiritually. And Lord, we pray, God, that what has been preached and said tonight would find the lodging place in the hearts of the hearer. or that we would be mindful of our loved ones who are lost, mindful of our loved ones who are wayward mindful of our testimony, mindful of our homes, mindful of our church. And, uh, Lord, I I don't want to be average. Uh, I don't want the status quo, but I want this church to be used. I want to be used. I want my family to be used. I pray, God, that you would help us in the days ahead. We have a special meeting coming up on Saturday. And it's my prayer, Lord, that you'll get the glory out of it. I really want that. I want you to be pleased in it. You know our hearts. You know why we've made the decisions that we've made. We've been careful to make them, Father, based upon your leadership and guidance, that no man would have the preeminence in it, but that you would get the glory out of it. Now, Lord, we are fixing to go into revival, and I pray, God, that you'd help us in that. I pray that you would make this a reality to your people. Pray that you'd manifest yourself, Lord, in a special way. We love you, praise you, give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. amen. Appreciate your good attention uh, tonight. And uh, as has been mentioned, there's a sign up sheet in the back. If you need to sign up for, the, for anything, go ahead and do that. We've got the uh, church is going to take care of the meat and the drinks uh, and the ice. So if you've got a dessert or a side dish you want to bring. Put that down. That way we can uh, maybe by Wednesday know where we stand on that. And I'd like to have everything on the paper if we can by Wednesday so that we can figure out what we need to get done as uh, far as making sure we got enough food for everybody. All right? Uh, revival April 10th to the 13th. we we'll be praying about that. Lord's Supper on the 17th. That's the evening service of Easter Sunday. April 20th, Brother Jimmy will be preaching. Uh, you please be praying for him. That the Lord would help him. Please be here if you can to support him. Uh, if you will it's an encouragement and uh, he's praying and, and seeking the Lord's direction and we want to be an encouragement to him if you will uh, that particular uh, Wednesday night I'll be preaching in Athens in a revival meeting would you pray for us that the Lord would uh, provide what we stand in need of and help those people down there and uh, then uh, July the, or April the 27th will be quarterly business meeting on Wednesday night and then July the 6th through the 10th will be missions conference please be praying about that and let's not forget to pray for Aubrey Moyes. I haven't got an update on her in the last few days, uh, but I think there was some improvement with her. We want to continue to ask the Lord to help her little life, all right? So if you can, you'll be praying about these meetings coming up. We're looking for the Lord to help us. I'm excited about the church dedication service and uh, looking forward to a good time in the Lord. I've got a little group going to be singing uh, that are faithful to their home church, but because it's on a Saturday, they'll be able to be here. And uh, so they'll be singing and playing for us on Saturday night. And a touch of God is on that group, and we thank the Lord for them. looking forward to hearing them sing and play and uh, lift up the Lord's name and uh, magnify him. All right? Any other announcements we to be missing before we dismiss? Anything at all? All right, if not, will the moment dismiss us in prayer, please? Thank you, dear Lord Father, for what you've done. I pray that you've been with us.
1: Be with us this week, dear Lord Father. We have opportunity. very much.
0: Above what we normally have. You got the group that's singing. You got Wes and his family probably going to be here. Martin Kelly will probably be here. You got the preacher that's preaching his wife and kids. You got uh, and all Wes's kids. Betty might be here. I mean, I, it could be 25 or 30 above what we normally have. I don't know. Bye. Have a good weekend.